0: Hey y'all, and welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm with Jonathan. Hey, hey y'all. And today we're going to be going over the news. We have some esports desk, and then we're talking about top five Avatar episodes. Avatar: The Last Airbender finally on Netflix. It's pretty amazing. This is that's the original animated series. Uh, Jonathan, how have you been lately? Good, good. Watching anything new? Um, not recently. No, you're in the middle of moving, so yeah, your life's pretty put busy. the damper on things. Yeah. All right, so let's just go ahead, uh, get right into the news. Uh, we have, uh, Epic showed off their Unreal Engine 5 with a tech demo. Uh, it was re- it revealed on May 13th, and it shows the uh, Unreal Engine 5 that's going to be used in the PS5, Xbox One, Series X, and then some of the new. You're actually going to be able to use that on mobile games, too. Really? Yeah. It just <laughs>
1: seems so vast to, to work on
0: a device like that. It is insane. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the most common engines in gaming. It's uh, what's behind Hellblade 2, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Outer Worlds. All amazing, massive games. That's that's what the uh, number four is. Mm-hmm. Uh Epic Games has been hard at work at developing Unreal Engine for the next generation of systems. Uh the tech demo released it was using a PS5 dev kit. So uh there might have been some partnership because they said they've been working hard with Sony. So mm-hmm. and they mentioned PlayStation during the demo kit too. Uh okay, so the, the environments were all photorealistic. And that's one of the things we'll talk about is how they're able to basically take an asset from a, C- a film's CGI and just implant it into games now mm. without it losing any uh, quality, which is pretty amazing. So uh, let's talk about some of the features. We have Nanite, which is this virtual uh, virtualized geometry. So it's film-quality assets with billions of triangles. That just seems crazy. This new tech will uh, remove the current polygon budget. This means the creators can take an asset like uh, from a film project and import it directly into uh, Unreal Engine 5 mm-hmm. so uh, we were talking about while we are watching the tech demo that uh, if you think about Avengers we have the Avengers video game coming up but if you were to make it with this you could literally just take the Iron Man suit and put it in the game mm-hmm. and then just say like that's the Iron Man suit and it wouldn't lose any it's completely lossless yeah pretty insane any other CGI you could think of that you'd want to play with in a game um
1: not right off. The top. I I don't know. Um, all of them really. All the good, you know, blockbuster movies make a game. If it's that easy to just transfer it over, then you can make yeah. some awesome, you know, characters. Add them to uh, Smash Brothers and
0: stuff like that too. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about all. Because Nintendo doesn't technically use Unreal Engine much if at all. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see <laughs> what they can do with that too. Uh, then we have Nanite, which is. Oh, uh, sorry. Then we have Lumen uh fully dynamic in real time global illumination what this is is they can have a directional light so they could say like this is the sun up here and then the lighting will react to the environment as it's mm-hmm. supposed to uh as you move the lighting source the shadows and everything like that will react properly you could have light from multiple resources mm-hmm. so it's pretty crazy um in, in the tech demo, we saw how they had the sun coming through the the caves yeah. and uh, the way it, it made the shadows off the rocks that were sitting on the ground. I mean, it was just like yeah. the li- processing power is unreal. I like how the
1: light reflects accurately. So it's not just the sun's coming through a crack and it makes a crack line on the ground. Yeah. It glows around the rest of the room. So it's very like accurate, mechanically accurate.
0: Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, then we have Niagara, which is this advanced simulation with particle uh, intercommunication objects interact with each other to create a living world uh the example used here was the beetle scurrying from the light so now they could actually have it's where it, you know now that you have a source for the light you could have things react to that light showing on them so when you shine the light on the beetles they all scattered stuff like that and it is not like it's a cinematic where you're telling it to do that yeah. anywhere the players go the light will scatter the beetles stuff like that you could have you could have uh not just a player's input creating the next thing. You could have a chain of that now going on. Yeah. You know,
1: so. and you could probably do that with almost anything now. You can you know anything that you can replace the light with like uh, heat or uh, energy weapons or something like that or magnetism. Mm-hmm. You know, make yeah. the environment affected. You know, accurately like that with everything.
0: And what's neat is, like, if, if you were to have something that, like that in a game right now, that would be the purpose of the game. I'm thinking, yeah. like, portals kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. Uh, now, that could just be a small facet that's in the background that's just supposed to create a more immersive world. It doesn't have to necessarily be the whole purpose of the game. Yeah. Because it doesn't need that much computing power anymore. Mm-hmm. So, it's pretty amazing. Uh, then we have predictive foot placement for high-resolution environments. Uh, this is another really cool thing. So, you have your character, you've done all the rigging, and you've told your character how to react to things. Then if you tell your character to walk from point A to point B and there happens to be steps in the way mm-hmm. or uneven ground or whatever, they'll naturally walk on that like they should. Yeah. No, uh, no bugging where their foot's floating over a block or exactly. something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times that happens where you sit there and you can zoom in on the character and see, like, yeah, they're a little bit above it. Yeah. Or, or their
1: shoes in the step instead of on top of the step. Exactly. Yeah,
0: uh, and, and it's just, again, it's more about that immersion. And, and that's pretty cool. Uh, then we have intelligent flocking with spatial awareness. And I was telling you I wanted to explain this later on because it's yeah, really cool. And they didn't do a good enough job explaining it in this. Uh, yeah, so in the in the tech demo, we had these bats fly through a cave and they just leave. Uh, and they're talking about this new new technology. What's going on is they're telling the um, the bats basically, mm-hmm. they're telling them like this is your guys' space, and then that's your space once you leave the cave. And and so now the bats understand where the walls are, yeah. and the bats will fly and they'll keep their distance from each other and from the walls. And then as soon as they get past the boundaries of the cave you see them actually like flutter out a little bit more and then kind of spread out because they know that the boundaries a little bit more. So they have a little more cushion room. So they take advantage of that. And that's just computing power happening on each one of the bats, knowing where the walls are at.
1: So you just give each of them the freedom to move within a certain set of parameters and then let them loose. Yeah.
0: Instead of having that an actual like determined, you know, destination, that's where it's all coming down to right now is now we're actually letting things do what they should do in a world. And then you just build a world that they play in. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, and then we have uh, the se- uh, seamless contextual interactions. This is another thing where it's it's just trying to about trying to get you into more of the immersion, where you could tell a character like, hey, when you're by a door, put your hand on the door is the example they used, mm-hmm. or uh, when you when the space is a little too tight, you're gonna go sideways and try to squeeze through. Mm-hmm. So you create these different rules for your character, and then when you have them doing things within their engine, that character will naturally go for those yeah. so they'll naturally try to live in that world yeah if it's a person with a bad back maybe next one next to next to the table they put their hand on it stuff like that you can really yeah. build up these characters hmm. so uh they're going to continue their testing they've been testing a lot of this engine in fortnite which is you know an epic game and they said that epic or that fortnite will eventually be converted over to uh Unreal engine 5 so who knows what that will do that'll, that'll open up the game quite a bit
1: i'm wondering if this is going to take like you're saying, it doesn't take much computing power, but but it seems like it would. Like I get the the new Xbox and new PlayStation are going to be, you know, massively powerful. But will our computers, like if we want to play use this engine on our computer, you know, PC games, yeah, will we need to upgrade our components?
0: There there will be a, there will be a factor of upgrading, and and we we have the DDR5 that's like right now happening, uh, and so we're we're about to move up in a hole of computing. Mm-hmm. that doesn't sound right of oh, computing, <laughs> computing power <laughs> computing power thank you yeah. uh so so it, it is all moving up but it's just you know yeah i know it, it's the next generation but we got to catch up with it. exactly like how much more am i spending i mean the fact that they said they could be played on mobile games is just kind of like oh
1: that's cow. so weird that's yeah, so crazy to me it doesn't seem like i mean i know our, our phones are smart but it just doesn't seem like they could handle loading a world like that my computer struggles yeah. with you know minecraft and mm-hmm. and sea of thieves let alone you know my phone but.
0: yeah I think a lot of the future too is in the streaming the video games to your phone, like they do Stadia, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that also would take some of the power off of you. And what we saw was very uh, tailor made to show off what the engine can do. Yeah. So there are some things where, like, man, that just seems like it's crazy next level. It's that game doesn't re- it's not real. So that yeah. game they made is to show off what the Unreal Engine can do. So there's gonna be steps like that too, where we're gonna see things like that. Um, it's exciting though. I mean, we're we're at a new new generation of gaming for sure. Yeah,
1: I can't imagine if once they get it, you know, working and everything, have uh, Elder Scrolls or or a game oh, like yeah. that you know, made on that engine would be amazing.
0: Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Is I really like worlds. I really like open world games with like the, feel like they're living and stuff like that. That I'm participating in it. Yeah. That's exactly what this engine's boasting. And it's not
1: taking anything from it. It's just making everything a lot a lot smoother. Yeah, and work together more accurately. So I think it's cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's
0: that's, you know, just to think of where we came from. You know, when we used to play the N64, we thought like. This thing is crazy in a world. This is three-dimensional. Yeah. I can
1: walk around in this place. I don't need to go to school. I'm just gonna wander around this little village, or whatever. It, it was so
0: nuts. Yeah. Diddy Kong, you had the like the, the starting zone. we were able to pick a map and stuff like that. That seemed crazy advanced. <laughs> yeah. And now we're like, oh, look, that's a living bat essentially. yeah it's crazy all right. So next up, we have a new Star Trek series in the works. Very excited about this. yeah. Uh, I was a little upset because I was you know when we do these we we do these articles on our website, guys, it's where all the sources are. And uh, whenever we release an article on the website, that's notes for the podcast. Uh, that's basically what the website's for. We're not actually a website company or anything. Um, and so I did like a bunch of notes and research because there was these rumors out there that there's a new Star Trek series You're like, oh, we're going to break this on the next podcast. I'm All excited right. to break this news. The next day, finally, CBS gave in because there's just too many rumors. And they were like, well, we're going to at least talk about it. So, <laughs> so let's go over the rumors that led up to CBS finally having to announce it. Uh, first off, there there was an active development uh, in production weekly. They placed on a series called Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, they had given so the the title of the new series going to be called Strange New World Star Trek Strange New World. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this website said it's an active development, and a changing it to Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. which was already a Star Trek emper- Enterprise. So that's a little weird that they were doing that, mm-hmm. but it was confirmation that hey, there is something happening because this this weekly as uh, production weekly is actually like an insider source. Then we go over to Screen, uh, Screen Rant. They're a very big company. And they have an article with Jonathan Frakes, uh, who had an interview on um, at a convention, a GalaxyCon convention. And uh, during this, this is his quote. Let me go ahead and say this. He kind of messed up a little bit. <laughs> so he said, "It. It's. I love Jonathan Frakes. He's so great. It has been a blessing to have my career to rekindle it by uh, with the new Star Trek. It didn't hurt that I learned how to do another craft. The directing has been fantastic for me. When Discovery worked out, then Picard worked out and now there will be a new one and another one so everybody's like wait a minute he just referred to two new shows yeah because we already know of one new show that that uh, section 31 mm-hmm. that follows uh you remember what's her name felipe Philippa, the uh captain that spoiler alert the captain that died and then they got the empress from oh the...
1: yeah philippa
0: philippa thank you i don't remember her last name but yeah it's a long one starts with a g <laughs> uh so georgia yeah, something like that. Yeah. So they were going to have her. She's going to be in Discovery a lot, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have her in her own series where it's all about Section 31. Mm-hmm. Well, that show got canceled. But at the time of the interview, it wasn't canceled yet. So he was referring to that one as one of them. But then he said another one. Yeah. So it was, OK, hold on. John the Frakes mm-hmm. is being tapped to direct something up in the future. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, and then we have, and of course, the fans have been wanting this new show for a long time. Uh, and then we had a, uh, uh, then we had the uh, reports of, of casting calls going out. So these weird casting calls were like, OK, wait a minute. That's for James T. Kirk. Mm-hmm. that's crazy so we have a casting call for James C. Kirk and Ohora. Digital Fix and Cinema Spot both claim that the Mandalorian Jake Canna- Cannaval is the top contender for Kirk now that blew my mind because you know who Jake Cannaval is no he's some kid who's on Mandalorian he's like this one kid that's trying to snipe it's not a baby deal but his dad is that dude that we've been texting about all week remember when, when Squeaks was like hey who's this Who's this guy I can't remember his- oh really yeah <laughs> so when I come across it, like he's the new Mandalorian or he's from Mandalorian and then he's gonna be the new James T Kirk I'm like how crazy is that? Like, we've been texting, like, back and forth on who, yeah. who that is. trying to figure out what his name was. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So his son is going to be the new James Kirk, and then they're also casting for Ahura. Bobby Cannaville
1: is the one we're talking about. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> to look it up again. Uh, so, uh, and then the new one, uh, it says, we got this converted reports that Ahura is being casted as well. Um, okay, so we had all these little rumors coming out. And then uh, CBS officially announces the next day after, you know, all these things are starting to pile up saying that, yes, there is a new series. It's called Star Trek, strange new world. It will have Anton Mount as captain Pike. So if you guys are familiar with discovery season two, it's that guy. and mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have Spock in it. We're going to have number one in it. It's that, it's that cast that everybody's been, you know, clamoring for. Uh, there was a video that was released uh, with it. That was basically everybody from their home saying like, Hey, we're excited to be a part of this. And I especially, I'm a big Anton Mount fan anyways from hell on wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he was saying, what did he say? He said along the lines of like, we're going to be bringing you guys a classic Star Trek show. And it was just like, oh, man, that's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. It's perfect. So uh,
1: this means Discovery is also going to continue on its, other, its yes. own path, but we're going to have this f- built from it continuing on the original series. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's awesome.
0: And it's perfect because Discovery, now that they're doing, against spoiler alert, now that they're doing their future jump time thing, yeah. they're in a whole other thing. And they can kind of go back to that scripted thing that they like to do. Yeah, and it's very Star Trek. Like, it's a whole
1: new you know expansion, a new world, right, a new right. time and stuff. But... People love classic, vintage, original Star Trek. Exactly.
0: Well, and that's the thing is Discovery had. I enjoy Discovery so much; it's really Mm -hmm. good, but it has things season long arcs and things like that that don't belong. Yeah. Uh, and if you look back at like Enterprise, you know, Next Generation, it was a new adventure every episode. Mm -hmm. That's what people wanted. Yeah. There could be some small season-long things like, oh, uh, Tom Paris and B'Elanna are getting together, stuff like that. Yeah. But they're very background compared to what was going on in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is coming back, so we have Discovery that can do their long arcs, and then we could have Strange New World. That's just straight up a Star Trek. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Uh, and then they, so we have it's going to be written by Akiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, and Jenny Lamette. Uh All three writers will also be uh, producers along Henry, uh, Alan Myers, uh, Hetty. Heather Cadden, and sorry, and Rod Roddenberry. Roddenberry's son's coming back. Nice. For this. That's pretty cool. That's Just awesome. to have a Roddenberry involved yeah, in the title, you're gotta like, have this him is there. good.
1: <laughs> Got to be able to throw Roddenberry on the screen here once in a while.
0: So uh, one of the writers is uh, Kurtzman. He is the one that first off wrote most of Discovery. Mm-hmm. And he is a writer for uh, the newer Star Trek movies. Wow, okay. So he has, he's been in it for a while. He's kind of been envisioning this new Star Trek world. Uh, CBS signed a deal with him, I think it was last year, for five years of him making Star Trek bigger. So he's kind of you know the Kevin Feige now of Star Trek, Uh, and he's been doing a really good job in my opinion. What is it that you want to see from this new Star Trek?
1: I I mean I love the the glamour and the the clean crisp you know look of the new Star Trek, but you can't beat the classic stories and tales and the vibe of you know classic original Star Trek series. So I hope they just do a good job melding the two together.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm exactly looking for that too. Like think of like Black Mirror. Black Mirror is really good, or the short treks that we get now. Mm-hmm. There are these episodes that will like show you a different kind of society, maybe, or mm-hmm. so that's what was always cool. Is you showed up on a planet and like, hey, on this planet, time moves faster than everywhere else. Yeah, and just... so how? How? What do you do with that? You know, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it is so cool. It's just the what ifs that really get you thinking.
0: Rick and Morty kind of. I was just thinking, like, they go to the planet where they do the purge. <laughs> it has that kind of thing too, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for that. That that is classic Star Trek, and the yeah. fact that they're using pike's crew is perfect because that's the enterprise yeah that's the ship you have to use mm-hmm. and uh they're at a point now where they're still discovering different species and stuff like that. that's really good timing the only thing is it's in the canon kirk is not on his ship at this time mm-hmm. but they're gonna have kirk on the ship and so what do you think about that do you think well what time what time frame is it based it, on the original series it'll be post discovery leaving current time so it's still before original series
1: okay oh yeah yeah because yeah uh pike turns it over to kirk mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't, I mean, there's, I don't think it'll kill anybody. I don't think it'll it'll ruin the show to have a little bit of a con- conflict between the storyline of the original series, but um, it'd be nice if they could find a way to write that in and justify it. They did, it they, sense, yeah, they did but... that with the
0: movies. It would be nice if they did that somehow, because it's obviously not the same universe as the movies, because that was also Kirk and Spock and like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I this was, I think, was supposed to be part of the main timeline. Yeah. But anyway, so...
1: I say Kirk gets in trouble and gets suspended for six years and then he comes back later. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I like uh, I like the idea of Anson having this like pain in the ass kid on a ship that he sees promising. Mm. And so he's trying to... And so we'll have moments where Kirk is kind of showing a little bit of like that good leader that he'll eventually be. Yeah. But in the meantime, he guys rock and roll too loud. Yeah, yeah, you
1: see... It'd be cool to see him missing something. He doesn't have that structure of a good leader yet, but yeah. he learns it while working under Pike. Yeah. That'd be awesome.
0: And then at the end of season two of discovery, Pike learns of his future. The fact that he'll be eventually, uh, you know, in that box there, he's beeping the whole time he ends mm. up getting really destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and so he knows that eventually that he's going to eventually have an accident that will take him out. Yeah. And, uh, and so I wonder if that'll be weighed on, weighing on him the whole time. Like how will I mm. kind of a rush to hurry up and
1: mold this kid as good as he can. Yeah. Or something like that.
0: I need to leave the ship in good hands. Cause yeah. I know at, at some point I'll be in a box.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I could see that.
0: All right, moving on to the next thing. Arrowverse scheduled revealed. So uh, due to COVID-19, of course, everything's being either canceled or delayed. Arrowverse is not immune to this, but we did finally get a schedule for them, so they are coming back. Mm -hmm. Normally, they have like 22-episode seasons, the old-school television kind of seasons, you know, these big, long ones. Uh, Now they're going to be doing, for this season, they're going to do like 13-episode runs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're all starting January uh, 2021, and... uh, we have some changes on how the lineup's going to work. So, some of the notable changes here. First off, uh, Supergirl and the Legends of Tomorrow won't be in the schedule right away. They're coming the second half. That's normal. If you're a, legal, if you're a Legends of Tomorrow fan, you're used to that. They always kind of come a little bit later. Uh, the other thing is, on, was it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday, they're going to have the Flash and the new Superman series back to back. Clearly, they're Monster Night. That's going to be the night they're going to try to pull things. Yeah. They have the least amount of competition with other networks on that night. Mm. And CW is always on the bottom. I mean, they I think they're kind of comfortable with that now because they know that they sell their shows to Netflix. They make a lot of money that way. But on that night, there's no American Idol. There's no whatever else, The Voice, whatever people watch with regular TV. But yeah, we do have, we have Batgirl coming in on on, on uh, Sundays and uh, just, it's a good lineup. And then we have Supernatural coming back and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good lineup, but they're all coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the crossover was not going to be a full crossover this time because of course. With the changed filming, they can't do that. normally. Like Crisis on Infinite Earth, they had everybody under the sun there. Mm -hmm. But what they're going to do this time, they're going to bring Batwoman and Superman together and they're going to make it like uh, some of the comic book events or best example for you and me is the animated series when they did that crossover with Batman and Superman. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the same thing where they're trying to solve a, a joint problem, and Superman likes to knock down walls, and Batman likes to sneak in them. Yeah. So, it's, it's going like to be that kind single, of dynamic. A single
1: adventure that they do, or you know, challenge together, something like that. Yeah.
0: And so, we'll see if... Uh, I don't, we don't have a Joker or anything like that yet, but there might be something like that, you know, where they have a villain that's big enough for both of them to fight. Mm. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, have you tried Arrowverse yet?
1: No. I No, I have tried. I've watched the first like two or three episodes twice, because uh, I tried it back when it first started and tried it again like a year ago or something, but yeah, it's just way too, it's too CW for me is what it is. Yeah. It's too teen angst, like low budget. If they had some high budget and good writers and could really make a awesome story, then I'd totally be in for it, but it's just yeah, not my cup of tea.
0: That And that's the common complaint amongst a lot of people who don't like it is the fact that it has that teen angst to yeah. it. Uh, the budget is low, but again, you get so much content out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm clearly a fan, but... Um, I, I get it. I get why it's, there are times where I'm watching, I'm like, this is so, this writing is terrible. Mm-hmm. But there are episodes where it's like, God, I'm so like rooting for Joe or something like that right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I get that. So it's one of those things, you know? It's kind of like, uh, if you're a fan of The Magicians, it's the same thing where mm-hmm. the writing's not good, but you're you're still hooked, you know? It's still yeah. good. Uh, so I'm excited for it to come back. Uh, Paper Mario, The Origami King, we have a release date for that now. It's going to be July 17th. The game will be the standard $60, but there will probably be DLCs added to this as well. Um, they're going to start doing that like they do with the Smash Brothers. They're going to start mm-hmm. releasing more DLCs. Nice. Uh, then, oh, sorry, wrong thing. Oh, the gameplay will be the same as past games, but we the new ability is the 1000 fold arms. That'll let you do distance puzzles. And so you can, it's basically their origami arms. Mm-hmm. They fold out and you can do puzzles from afar. Uh, they showed it off once in the trailer. It looks pretty cool. Uh, i think i might actually pick this up i played a uh, paper mario i think on the n64 for a little bit mm. but yeah you remember that one at all
1: no i don't think like, i ever played it
0: yeah it's like a 2d side scroll but then you flip to 3d and you, it changes how the puzzles look so you can like mm. see them differently it, it was interesting game yeah. i i know of friends that like really liked it but for me it's kind of just interesting but yeah all right moving on to uh the last of our regular news Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one and two is getting remastered. I'm super excited for this. Boys. You mean and Miguel used to play this thing all the time. All the time. What was your favorite favorite well, version of the game?
1: Uh when they would do the uh graffiti. That's what yeah. we Yeah. just <laughs> like a you know competition or whatever. You have to do different tricks or grind on different you know yeah. surfaces and it colors that your your color and you are fighting over territory or whatever.
0: And to get it away from the other person to re graffiti your way, yeah. you have to do a bigger trick on it. Yeah, you have to get more points on that yeah. area. Uh, that it's funny because you bring that up. That was like the number one thing on Twitter. Everybody's talking about like, oh man, graffiti mode's coming back and it's yeah. gonna be really cool.
1: So I don't know. I don't remember the difference between Pro Skate One and Two. I know we played Two we, the most. We
0: played Two the most, but we had One as well. There yeah. were very little difference between the two. That's why they're getting released oh. again together. Okay. Um, do you remember your most notable level? Because I know mine. Um,
1: there was the one with the helicopter. Yes, yeah, in it. <laughs> that was pretty cool because you like I, I. There was a certain trick you had to do. I think you grind on the the prop of the helicopter and yeah. you can get it to turn. You know to start. And up. it would
0: break the glass and yeah. and the side wall, so you can go in and get the extra bonuses in there. Yeah, because you're trying to spell out Tony or whatever. You know, yeah. different things like that. Yeah, that's uh, cool. all the little side adventures are back in this game. Uh, Jablinski Games, which is Jack Black's gaming channel, highly suggest you guys watch that. It's hilarious. Uh, they actually got to hang out with tony hawk at a skating facility mm. and uh and then tony revealed to them like hey man this is of course recorded earlier and um and then yeah so they're sitting there playing it and they're sitting there trying to collect the tees and, <laughs> and all stuff like that and uh it was just a blast and you would have it is because it was it was tony hawk jack black and then his two kids his two jack black's kids are in the shows often mm-hmm. and uh Watching the control, if you pay attention to it, it goes between Tony Hawk and Jack Black back and forth, and like the kids playing, they'll talk, okay, let we go. <laughs> so it was those two playing back and forth. It was a lot of fun to watch. Nice. Uh, the playlist has been released for this on a Spotify, so you guys can check that out. I've been blasting it; it's great. It's only missing five songs, according to Kotaku, but it is the classic Tony Hawk uh, playlist. Um, and then we also learned that we have six returning skaters: Andrew Reynolds, uh, Jeff Rowley, Alyssa Streamer, Chad Muska. Steve Cab- uh, Caballero and Tony Hawk himself. So what's cool is you're gonna be able to play the young version of when the game came out and the current version when they have like the gray hair and mm-hmm. stuff. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, I mean Tony Hawk's kids are his age in the game, <laughs> so it's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, there's gonna be more announced later on in the future, and then yeah, we'll have both ages. So I'm just excited for Tony Hawk to come back. That is such a good classic game. Mm-hmm. Things gonna be day one buy for me. It's one of those that's really fun when. Like the the nephew and niece come over, or something like that, and you need something to play with them because it's one of those games where I might have a little edge on them. That's good, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's just fun to kind of pass that control back and forth. And you know. and well, now we
1: have online gameplay. You could play with other people. You that's a very good point. Yeah, possibly cross platforms and stuff. So that's hmm. pretty, you know, it'll be a good good addition to the game. You don't have to be sitting on the same couch as somebody to play. You know, such a good game together.
0: I didn't even think about that. That is a very good point. Yeah. So that's gonna get a lot of use. That's cool. All right, let's move on over to our esports desk. First up on the eSports desk, uh, we talked about last week, or the week before actually, Mean, uh, we were talking about how a lot of Overwatch players are moving over to Valorant. Valorant's the hot ticket right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do this thing where you can get beta keys watching on stream. We ended up getting ours. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the game, but you know, a lot of people are moving over to it. Uh, now is experiencing this as well. So uh, the one of the biggest names, his name is Ryan Abader, but you know, everybody knows him as Freakazoid. He's leaving Swole Patrol, his team on Valorant, uh, his team on CSGO, moving over to Valorant. Swole Patrol is being decimated right now because also uh Victor Food Wong, Jordan Zelzis Monumentoro. Uh, they moved over to Valorant. And then Austin Cooper Abadir is moving to a different team on CSGO. So basically Swole Patrol, I think there's only one player still on that team. <laughs> They've been decimated. I think they should just call it a day. Um and then so, and then other play, players leaving for Valorant from CSGO are uh, Braxton Swag Pierce, Austin Crashers Roberts, and Hunter's Sick Mims. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where Valorant's just, it's where the views are at. You got to go nah. where people are watching. Uh, it's very clean game, very sharp. Uh, I was hoping it was more ability-based. It's definitely not. It's definitely more CSGO than it is Overwatch. I don't know, but can you blame these guys for moving?
1: Well, I'm wondering, is this going to be short-lived? Are they moving just because they think that's going to be the hot ticket that people want to watch? But when they realize that the game isn't what they expect it to be or, you know, maybe it's not supported like it should or something like that, is it going to lose views and then they wish or just choose to go back?
0: That's a good point. Yeah, it, it could be because right now it's in beta. So mm-hmm. it could come out and the, n- not be accepted well. The, the thing is, is, it's ran by Riot, who does League of Legends, right? Mm-hmm. So you have an already a pretty well-established esports company running this thing. Yeah. They've released how they're going to handle esports. It's very good and 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 it's fair. It's why a lot of the Overwatch people are moving over. But it's just such a gamble. It's hard to have that esports player life where you're gambling on trends so much, you know? Yeah,
1: and is, is I mean, Riot has a lot on their plate with League of Legends. Is this game going to pull away from their support of League of Legends and what they put into it?
0: That's true. If I was a League of Legends pro, I might be the LCS guys. I might be a little bit concerned by this, yeah. Because obviously, the, the everybody's talking Riot right now, and actually, Riot has actually made a couple additional games based off of League of Legends, like the card game and, and uh, Team Tactics. Mm-hmm. So, if I was an LCS player, I might be a little concerned by that. That yeah. like, hey, maybe they're starting to drop some interest in our game, yeah. which isn't too bad. It's a well-made game. Um, yeah. So, uh, a quote from Freakazoid, and this shows kind of how <laughs> his mentality here. He's he's always been kind of like an arrogant player, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw that out there. Uh, sometimes life says out, says out with the old and gotta go with the new. I'm quitting CS and going to play uh, playing Valorant. I can't wait to be a part of a team that competes at the world uh, at world or whatever it'll be called, and fucking shit up against teams worldwide. Let's go! That was Freakazoid. Uh, he is the Terrell Owens of esports. If you guys know football, and uh,
1: sounds like Daniel when you get him pumped up. It, it does sound like <laughs> Daniel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It actually does, because then I'm like, Daniel, calm down, man. You're just gonna be playing mid. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is it's to me. I'm I'm fascinated because you know the scores and we just we just finished up uh, um, some CS:GO stuff. We'll be reporting that next week. Um, and and there's a new event coming up in August that hopefully will kind of respark some attention on CS:GO. Mm-hmm. It'll become yeah, August 31st at uh, season 12. So it, it ESLs. So hopefully it'll kind of respark some interest in it. But to me, it's this trending and following it as a pro to to bank your entire career on this yeah it's got to be tough the hours they put in i know people are like well how are these guys professional athletes they put in some hours 12 hour days playing the same game and it's not necessarily like oh it's because i'm enjoying this game or having a lot of fun it's so they can master the reaction times and the way they communicate with each other there's so much more to it than just like i like this game
1: it sounds kind of like to put it in non-gamer terms, like if you're an NFL player for the Cowboys, but you hear that the Raiders got some really good players or a really good coach or something like that, and so you decide, you know, I'm going to dump and go over there because they're going to have a really good season. But Maybe they don't have a good season. Maybe the next couple of years are actually their worst or something like that, and then you don't have the choice to go back. Or Will that try. coach
0: work out? Yeah, you don't yeah, know. There's a bunch of a variables. It's a big gamble
1: on your career, on what people are watching you for. So,
0: And then that, that answers to the question of esports in general because you're sitting there switching teams, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you're a Dallas Cowboys player, and then all of a sudden, hey, the Oakland A's in baseball have a really good coach. Yeah, there you go. You're switching so teams and games. Will you translate to the new game as well? Yeah, because some of these players. So the, I think the CS:GO players will do good, but the people moving from Overwatch, mm-hmm. Overwatch is much more depend or dependent on the the abilities. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's not so much about your shooting accuracy yeah, and stuff like times that. Times and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I just. I'm fascinated by these guys that are, ma- they're raking in big dough on this and they put in their entire lives right now. Yeah. That's why the careers are kind of short-lived because these careers go five, six, seven, eight years. Actually, Freak has always been around for like seven years. Uh, they, they're they are sh- kind of short-lived compared to other careers, but it's because it's daunting that schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, even your off hours, you're streaming nonstop to make up the money in between. Yeah. It's very early days of the NFL when it was like small teams and, hey, when you're done, you know, working on the football field, we need you to get back to the Steel Factory. Yeah, you know? That's <laughs> so, crazy. Uh, it's that, and and the, the back to the Steel Factory part is streaming online on Twitch because mm-hmm. then they have their donations of to that too. So yeah. they're making that money there. Uh, it, is, it is daunting, these guys. Yeah, it's a, a constant grind. Yeah. Athletes for sure. They might not use physical sports or anything like that, but they're definitely athletes. All right, let's move on to the next thing here. Uh, one eSports Singapore Major 2020 was just canceled. Uh, this is the uh, uh, one of the big Dota events. Uh, and is held by PG PGL. And it was a one million dollar prize pool, and it was originally planned for June twenty to twenty eighth in Singapore. But unfortunately, as with everything else, is being canceled due to the COVID nineteen. Uh, they were not going to postpone it. They just said, "Let's go ahead and cancel it. Let's not even do an online version." Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's moving over to um, it's moving to twenty twenty one. They'll they'll pick it up there. Uh, and then they said here in a statement. Due to the current global situation regarding the COVID-19 pandemic and the current regulations in Singapore. Singapore is very tight on their uh, people right now. Uh, rightfully so. Everybody's trying to be locked down. Uh, we want to inform everybody that the last Dota 2 Major of the Year, Singapore Major, will be canceled. Take care, be strong, keep yourself safe and healthy. That's from PGL. Uh, this all This follows up Valve's cancellation of their International 10 tournament mm-hmm. that was planned for August. So Two big Dota 2 tournaments have just been canceled. It's unfortunate, of course. You know, you think they, they can handle it online, but they, they just don't want to chance it. They're yeah. just going to you know, cancel yeah. it instead. It's too bad. That's, That's just hard. the way the world is right now.
1: Yeah. And a lot of these events, I mean, I know, I think the hardest thing is that most of, or majority of the money that they make are from people that are attending. Yes. But I wish they would attempt to, you know, you don't have to get people in the same room, just have them in the same building on the same, you know, server or something like that. And and do the same competitions. Just keep them all isolated. Yeah. Keep everyone healthy. But I know it's it's hard. And in the end, with all that effort they put in, they probably won't get the same return on investment. So f- right. for them, it's probably smarter just to wait until next year when they can expect an audience to show up and buy merch and all that stuff.
0: And, and another hard part too is like when I when I go to some of these live events. Uh, there's so much branding on the walls. Yeah, you're seeing the T-Mobile sign, and it, yeah. and so a lot of the sponsors aren't pitching in if you're not gonna be able to see their stuff a lot. You know, yeah, it'd be like, exactly. oh, they could do brought to you by T-Mobile, but yeah. it's not the same, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. We'll have to see what the future of esports is. They they need to be able to switch on the line online faster, I think, hmm. because I don't think we're out of the woods on this thing. So um, esports is basically the only sports going on right now. That's why we've had such a boom in it. I mean, yeah. esports is on fire right now. It's crazy. Uh, but to think Dota 2, one of the biggest names in the world, is not moving their tournaments online is kind of surprising. Yeah. Overwatch quickly did it. You know, they had to cancel two major events and now they're on. Uh, so it's kind of weird that these guys aren't on there, but we'll see how it goes. It's it's interesting times right now. Yeah,
1: I think it's going to have to be a big transition of how you, how you make your money and spend your money in that process. Because it's not yeah. going to be a hands-on affair anymore. It's going to be all online as much as possible, at least so
0: especially in the Asian Asian uh, region, they put a lot of money into these arenas and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and there has been money spent in the U S too. I know uh blizzard just did that a few years back for the overwatch league. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of money to spend on a facility yeah. when it's a video game that you can handle online quite a bit. And then yeah. of course there's all kinds of the, you know, how does latency work and stuff like that? You have to be able to ensure the same amount of latency for both parties. Yeah. That's why it's so yeah. nice to have them in the same building because they are on the same latency. Um, yeah, it's we're we're gonna keep covering this. We're gonna keep bringing it to you guys as things develop. I know there's a lot of Dota two fans that are really missing this, so uh, that is unfortunate. All right, let's move into our top five Avatar the Last Airbender episodes. All right, John, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first?
1: Um, let's see, so I I I noted all mine, but I didn't necessarily put them in a five order because it's hard. There's something. I Yes, I couldn't narr- I couldn't kick one out of the list, really, but I had to narrow it down to five.
0: So these are like 13 episode seasons, I'd say, right? Yeah. And then I remember texting you, I was like, I could easily do five per season. Yeah. Easily.
1: It's, it's crazy. I mean, if you haven't seen the show, just go binge it. It's on Netflix now, guys. Take a week off of work.
0: What a huge grab by Netflix. That yeah. was huge.
1: Watch all these, all the Legend of Korra's, just everything Avatar. Yeah,
0: Korra's not on there yet, but I'm sure it'll be on there soon. Go go to Walmart and buy them. <laughs> it's worth the purchase and and Ordered they have them. a box set that's the, they're both included yeah and then you just you just spend a week being happy yeah yeah um, all right you want me to go first or you go first
1: i'll go first i think my my number five i'll, I'll have to go with the siege of the north part two we're so, gonna
0: have a lot in common i know that yeah. much.
1: so that is okay. the uh, that final episode of season one mm-hmm. uh episode 20 um it was it was a pretty awesome episode because we've been following these characters and they're you know developing stuff like that. But we we know Aang has this Avatar state and we haven't seen that much yet. We it haven't. It's This phase, yeah. right? We okay. haven't seen him control it yet. It was just like a emotional reaction sometimes. So uh, the the North Tribe, the Northern Water Tribe, is being attacked by the Fire Nation, and so a lot is going on. A lot of character development and and stuff, but. Uh, for the most part, they're being attacked. Aang has to go into the Avatar state and, you know, creates this giant sea monster or whatever uh, to fight off the Fire Nation, you know, pretty much destroys their fleet. Um, but in the, in the process, too, uh, Yui, the princess, Yue, Yeah. Yue, uh, The princess has to sacrifice herself to... Um, Replace, I guess, or or yeah, more or less yeah, replace, replace basically the moon spirit because they had the sea sea and moon spirit, and it keeps everything in balance and yeah. yeah restores the balance uh, for the water nation. Uh, but it was a very emotional thing. Saka was in love with her, and mm-hmm. she's you know the princess to the tribe and everything like that. So it's just an all around really good episode. This, they they put a lot into it. It was just a really awesome action scene with mm-hmm. you know Aang actually fighting back in the Avatar state, controlling it you know at the last minute when he needed to. Um, uh, so all around good episode
0: I one thing i like about that episode and a lot of mine have this in common uh avatar has a good way of mixing action and heart mm-hmm. and Definitely. i mean you're sitting there and you take a break from the action and you're watching uh soccer fall in love and stuff like that and then you go back to the action and you're just like man this nation's gonna be wiped out yeah so it's pretty good uh, should we explain what avatar is or no are people on board Oh, but could. It doesn't hurt. Though. I'm gonna go real brief on this yeah, thing. Okay.
1: Some foundation to it.
0: Avatar takes place in a world with four different nations mm-hmm. that each nation has the ability to control an element. Mm-hmm. Uh a hundred years there there are civilians, a lot of civilians that don't have any, right, any of those abilities to. Very good point. You're born with a bending ability. Yeah. Took a while for me to did. realize that. <laughs> <laughs> uh a hundred years in the past from this where the series takes place, uh the avatar, which is a is a person who represents that can do all four bendings. And when they die, their body goes is reincarnated into the next Avatar and stuff like that. So it's carried on. Uh, the Avatar was frozen in, in an emergency. And, and since that time, the Fire Nation, one of the four nations, has essentially taken over all the other four nations, other yeah. three nations.
1: Through a hundred year war, conquering the Earthbenders and all that. Yeah.
0: So then when, when Aang, who is the Avatar, comes out of the frozen state, uh, he sees a world that's in turmoil and he's trying to fight back the... Yeah. Uh, evil fire lord mm-hmm. was I? so and that's basically
1: it. it's worth noting he's just a child he was like oh, 12 yeah. years old or something like that usually the avatar yeah. trains until they're you know their 20s or 30s and then they you know restore balance and maintain the world and here he was just a little like 12 year old kid trying yeah. to help you know with
0: really nobody to train him either yeah so he's having to learn from like yeah. scrolls and stuff so exactly. it's hard okay uh let me go into my number five so the way i'm gonna do this is i'm gonna tell you what the story is and then why i think it should be on my five Oh, okay, okay. So uh, here's a story of mine. Number five is The Blind Bandit. I yeah. love Toph so much. <laughs> yeah. Is that on your list? No. Okay, good. I know we're going to have multiple, so I'm glad that at least a couple of these aren't. Yeah. Uh, still searching for an earthbender teacher, Aang and his friends stumble across a small village. When they when they hear about an underground earthbending tournament, they decide to go to it. Aang finds a teacher that fits his description of King B- uh, Bummy. I love that name. Boomy. thank you. Yeah. Uh, her name is Toph Beifong, a blind 12-year-old girl who is tougher than she looks. When they meet Toph, it, when they meet Toph, is at first reluctant because her parents don't know uh, she's good at bending, as good at bending as she is. After her parents discover her secret life, she decides that she wants to join the Avatar gang and help them master earth bending. So all my all my episode descriptions are from IMDb, guys, if you mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah. 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 So the reason I love this episode, uh, the whole first season, we don't have an Earthbender, but we know we eventually have to get to the point where he has, he to, learn. has to learn Earth. Yeah. And uh, the second book is called Earth. And so not only does he have to find somebody who will fit, who will teach him Earthbending, but it has to be able to fit in the crew as well. It's not like he doesn't learn and walk away, they travel with them. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't think that they were missing anything until they run into Toph, who's this like smart aleck, (laughs) badass girl who's just like, and she's blind and she's able to do basically what Daredevil does kind of thing. She plants her foot on the ground and then she's able to feel the waves as it goes through things that she could see where everybody's at and so mm-hmm. the very few times it messes her up is when somebody's able to float or they're like really light ninjas or something like yeah. that you know um and then eventually she uses this to discover metal bending yeah so this is so the introduction to my favorite character yeah <laughs> it boils the, down to
1: and that was one like you're saying If uh, someone can float that was how they first met was they fought in, the, in an arena right uh Toph and Aang. yeah and so that was kind of funny that yeah and
0: she sh- calls him like what um, twinkle
1: toes yeah twinkle toes that's it he's so light <laughs> on the ground and it's hard yeah, to track
0: he'll him. like kind of hover for a second yeah. until he just gently lands yeah and so, that was uh, cool. it was really cool and and when the first episode you meet her you're like she'll fit in the group just fine because yeah. you're actually kind of worried about this whole time like who's this going to be you know yeah. she's going to be perfect for it you know mm. uh, yeah I just love her alright what's your number four man alright um,
1: my number four since we're talking about Toph I'll go ahead and go with imprisoned okay uh, which I, I didn't get the whole synopsis of the episode I just remember especially this is the episode where she develops metal bending yeah um so she's captured i believe it was that her parents sent paid for people to go find her catch her and bring her back home yeah Is what it was it wasn't the fire nation um so she gets captured by these you know goons or whatever they throw in a metal box and as she's uh you know being taken down the road uh she focuses i i believe she was meditating on something ang told her too um because they previously had talked about how earthbending began and and all that, um, and that there was minerals in the metal. That yeah. metal comes from rock. So well, she's an earthbender. Metal and rock are the same. And she was focusing. Of course, she's blind, so she has less senses to distract her. And uh, she could see the the tiny, you know, molecules or whatever particles of particles. rock in the metal. Uh, and then from that, you know, a moment of desperation and and you know want and dedication, she was able to bend the metal open. And then she just literally herself. In that time, just developed a whole nother type of bending. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing because when then you see in Legend of Korra, metal bending is a mastery that, you know, a lot of people have to go through to get certain careers and stuff like that. And all the police formed after her uh, use metal bending on a regular basis. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's a really awesome scene and awesome episode. So I love it.
0: That's a good one. That is a really good one, yeah. And that that brings up a good point. Her whole family is super rich, mm-hmm. yeah. so she she could be sitting at home just sipping tea all day, but no, yeah. she wants to be out there fighting in the ring.
1: And that's what they, they want her to be—a a dainty princess and yeah. just you know dress and play the part. And she's like, no, I'd rather you know roll in the mud and you yeah. know fight with the boys. So that was pretty
0: cool. In Legend of Korra, guys, I again, highly suggest you guys watch. We see her as an older lady, and she mm-hmm. still had that, that Spitfire attitude. Yeah, they grit. It's great. All right, uh, my number four is the Firebending Masters. Uh-huh. So here's the a, here's a synopsis to this one. Uh, Zuko has joined up with Aang's group and is now ready to teach Aang Firebending. Unfortunately, Zuko has found out that his he has lost his ability and now must relearn it. Zuko and Aang travel to find the source of, of the bending so they both uh, can learn from the Firebending Masters. Now... I think this this episode's super important. Yeah, because up to this point, we first off we assume firebenders are evil. It was basically Uncle Iroh who's not, and Zuko kind of. And then you learn that firebending comes from the rage that's inside of them. So Mm -hmm. it's like you can't not be an asshole because that's how you firebend. (laughs) That's why his sister's so good at it. (laughs) Uh, And but then these guys go and and Zuko he lost his firebending ability because he's starting to come at peace with himself Mm -hmm. as he's joining team team Avatar and stuff like that. Uh, so he's not use, he's not able to use his rage, it's not there anymore. Yeah. But Iro doesn't have rage. True. And uh, I, Uncle Iroh, that is my favorite <laughs> character. That's a hard. One. Um anyway, so they go to basically this temple that's the original the original source of firebending, and they find the this this culture that used to worship the sun. Mm-hmm. And they learn that firebending isn't necessarily about rage, it's about life, mm-hmm. heat of life, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the energy and source of life. And then they they go into this ritual and they find the original two Firebenders, which are these twin dragons. Yeah. And they do that that ah. badass like dance move, whatever, yeah. where they're both circling and the dragons are mimicking them. Yeah. And uh, it's what I use for the picture on the site. And it's super cool. What a great episode. And at that point, it's like, okay, it's okay to root for Firebenders now, too. Yeah. So, yeah. We needed that one. It really can turn the page.
1: So, you realize the perspective you've had from what you've been taught. You've been taught by hateful firebanders from the beginning. Yeah. But then you see that that's not how they were and that's not how all of them are. That they actually come from a place of peace. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: It's like, it reminds you kind of like Klingons. Klingons, you think, oh, they're just war hungry. But then you're like, oh, no, they're honor bound. Yeah. And so, there there can be, you know, there's another version of them too. Mm-hmm. All right, Jonathan, what is your number three?
1: Uh, my number three. Is gonna have to be the Blue Spirit.
0: That is my number three as well. Noise. Perfect. I so go ahead it. and go first.
1: Okay. So again, I I haven't watched these episodes in a while, so I don't have a full synopsis of the episode. You are, actually, you have a full thing. You want to just read It's yours? a very
0: short one oh. uh, that I got from IMDb. When Ang is captured by the Fire Nation, his only hope is a mysterious masked figure. Oh wow, well, that's, that's a super, short one. <laughs> super detail.
1: Okay. Well, so I know more than that. Um, I remember the beginning of this episode because it was kind of a funny episode too, where uh, Aang and his crew were out in the woods somewhere and. They ate something weird. I think they...
0: I think they licked a toad or something crazy like that. I think that was the cure, actually. Oh, okay.
1: I think they ate some bad fruit or something like that. They they got sick. They're all loopy and and acting weird. Yeah, I think Sokka found fruit and brought it back. (laughs) Of
0: course, Sokka's have found it, yeah. Yeah,
1: and so they're all loopy and stuff like that. And Aang's like, well, I got to find something to help them. And and anyway, so he goes off into the town and then gets captured. And so the reason that Zuko frees him is really... It's just an, an awesome scene. But yeah, Zuko puts on this blue mask to disguise himself. Uh, changes his persona so to speak as the blue spirit uses uh dual wields big swords doesn't use his firebending because he cannot reveal who he is yeah he fights to free Aang because he wants to be the one that captures Aang. he needs to capture Aang and bring him to his father to restore his honor in the family and the fire nation and all that stuff so you see zuko fighting off waves of fire nation guards who are trained by masters of the fire nation and He is not even using his bending he's just and he's i think 17 or 16 in the series he's doing all these backflips and, and jumping off the walls and stuff like that just kicking ass really and not using his ability so it just shows how much skill he has even though he's not the best firebender right he is one of the best fighters for sure yeah and this gives us a glimpse of hope in his character because we see that he's saving Aang. he doesn't care for Aang because obviously it's his his uh prey that he's trying to capture but He's he's like fighting for honor and integrity. We see that his character isn't doesn't chase Aang because he wants to murder the Avatar. He's chasing Aang because he wants to he wants his dad to love him. He wants to be yeah. accepted in his culture and his people, um, and this is the only way he can do it. And so the way he handles Aang and works with him, we see like not only do these guys work together badass. This is pretty awesome. Uh, but we see hope that you know if he was to not be so bound by by his will to his father, I guess. Um, that he could easily be fighting for the good.
0: Yeah, so. that's a really good way to put it. Uh, and I like the idea that he's a really good fighter. It reminds me of the in the pilot episode, but mm-hmm. you don't—I don't think it's on Netflix. Uh, we see that they meant for him to use fire daggers a lot, yeah. so which is cool because it was just like little daggers he would make with fires, and then he would yeah. be doing cool fighting style. Yeah, it was like—I mean, those are just daggers. It's not like he's <laughs> fire bending much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I really like this episode. The reason I picked it is because this whole time we we knew Aang was our main protagonist, right? And the yeah. and show's named after him. But then I think at this point we start to it starts to dawn on, on the on the audience that this show has two protagonists and mm-hmm. you're watching Zuko as well. Yeah. You know, there's there's of course Sokka and everybody else, but Zuko's the other protagonist because you're watching his his transition as well from you know evil uh, wanting daddy's love into his own full fledged, honorable leader of his people. Mm-hmm. And and we know from basically the very end and how this thing wraps up. That's exactly what happened. Aang becomes a supreme avatar, one of the best that's ever existed, mm-hmm. or the best version of himself that's ever existed. And then uh, Prince Zuko becomes Fire Lord Zuko who's who restores the honor to the Fire Nation. And yeah, ushers in a peace a yeah, for generations. Helps to build a public city and stuff like that. So yeah. th- that's what I love about this episode. It was, it was first season. It wasn't very deep into the season. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. Episode 13. Episode three. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's pretty deep. Uh, but it's like, this is this is actually a two-story two, two story yeah, show. It's so good. Relative.
1: And I love that you see, you know, Zuko's transition. While he has his uncle Iroh as a perfect example of how yes. to balance that that peace and honor, and it, it's you're really hoping the whole time. You see him resist it all the time, but you're hoping he'll embrace it and just follow his uncle yeah. versus following his father. So good. Yeah, very good.
0: What is your number two? Um,
1: uh, my number two uh, is gonna is the tale of Bossing. Say okay. What's your number one? Is the um, Sosan's Comet. Sosan's Comet. Okay. My number
0: two is Sosan's comment. My number one is Tales of Bossing Say. We can go either way. So let's just, we'll go in your order. That's fine by me. Okay. So go ahead and talk about the uh, Tales of Bossing Say. So
1: Tales of Bossing Say is a is an awesome episode. It, it has all the crew goes to this this huge city, uh, Earth Earth capital, I think.
0: It's uh, yeah, the Earth Bender capital. Yeah, Earth
1: yeah, Earth Nation Earth Bender. Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, Earth Nation. Yeah.
1: Um But so. Uh, they all just kind of go out into the city because they've been traveling and on Oppa's back for forever now. I want to say actually in Say is when Oppa gets captured. So, I think so. And time. I
0: think right now they're trying to lay low, they're trying to hide from people right now. Yeah. That's why they're just uh, both sides are.
1: Yeah. Um, but so you follow several, you know, journeys, they're all, all their separate paths but the for me, the most notable part of the whole thing, because I'm just going to cut to the chase. Everyone has fun and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, is Uncle Iro's story. Get the tissues out. Oh, my God. This <laughs> this cartoon just gets you crying. It is so Writing good.
0: Writing this article is like, oh, my God, I forgot. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's that good. He's,
1: he's uh, what was it? He's like singing a song and walking down the streets and he's
0: like he's going to different vendors and buying stuff too and yeah. we don't know what he's doing you yeah. just think he's always doing his he, chores he like gives a
1: flower to a little kid or something like that yeah, yeah. and it's he's just, getting tea and stuff yeah ready. and then he's he's going up to this tree and he he's the whole time we don't realize it until the very end and the song reflects exactly what he's what he's doing he's mourning the death of his son
0: it's the anniversary and
1: it kind of yeah and it kind of uh completes the picture of you know because he was this great fire lord he was the fire lord and then he stepped down and gave it to his brother and mm-hmm. he realized on the siege of basing Se, he was he was the only fire lord that could penetrate this massive city that was well you know built for defense um and in the midst of that his son died who you know was a fire fire nation soldier or whatever mm-hmm. and so it just destroyed him it's like nothing matters now if, if i'm you know, if I don't have my son, then everything else is just a yeah. Watch. What
0: am I here for? Why am I fighting?
1: Yeah, he that I'm sure that helped him realize what was important in life. Uh, so he stepped down, gave gave the Fire Nation to his brother, and chose to live a humble life. Uh, but when you just realize that that's what he's de- dealing with and thinking about, and it's just a super emotional episode. So
0: it is such an emotional episode for other people too, with the other characters as well, because. We see they've they've always been on the run or always chasing, mm. and we finally see a day to day life of them and they're just yeah. playful and and just caring for each other, but it does all boil down to yeah. to Uncle Iro. Yeah, uh, you had a good point there. Yeah, he's he, it's a it's a, it's the anniversary of his son's death. It's also the anniversary of him sieging that city he's living in now, yeah. and most at peace because he has a little tea shop that mm-hmm. he's running now. Yeah, um, and he was this massive general figure in the in the fire uh, fire nation and he set it all down and he became the enlightened person he dropped rage and, and accepted life. Um uh, yeah it's it's such a beautiful yeah. it's it's the pinnacle of the show. Mm-hmm. I, I'd argue it's number one myself, but uh and not long after the voice actor for Uncle Ira died. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really good goodbye to him. And
1: this episode was dedicated to him.
0: We was okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh just Fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. All right, uh your number one then. Well, is Ozin's comment. Yes. You want to go ahead and speak to that?
1: Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I hate to keep saying this. I don't remember majority of the plot, but I remember the episode. The end. <laughs> yeah, I remember the episode before this left it on a cliffhanger, and then this is just this is the big battle between Aang and uh Fire Lord Ozai. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was th- there was a lot of turmoil in Aang because he was. He was divided between, he He even had to seek out counsel from the other avatars and stuff. How can I kill this guy? I, I just can't get myself to murder somebody, no matter no. how good it does the world, how How just it is, how much he deserves it, how many other people he's going to murder. I just can't murder somebody. It's not who I am. It's not what the, Earthbenders or the airbenders would do, the air nomads. It's not my way. It shouldn't be the avatar way. And he's trying to find, like, how do you justify it? And a lot of people are saying... You just gotta do it, bud.
0: Like, you gotta kill him. It's
1: the only way. Like you know, we'll we'll figure out the moral stuff later on. But you just gotta end this so we can all be peaceful, and it's gonna make the world a better place. Um, so to me, I mean, it was a beautiful episode, a lot of uh, action and and intense scenes. But the fact that he found a way around it, and I can't remember if it was that uh, when he got that touch from the
0: took his bending away.
1: No, yeah, yeah, I know oh, okay. the, the resolution, but how Aang came to that conclusion that that would work.
0: Oh, it's from the the giant turtle.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. He he like enlightened him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so Ang fights him <laughs> near death, and Ozai finally more or less surrenders for a moment, uh, and then instead of killing him, Ang takes his bending powers, yeah. which is beautiful because now he's weak. You know, you'll pretty much leave him to live a humble life as a normal person. He might try to inspire riots or bring people yeah, together he's, or whatever. But he's
0: done. his son. Yeah. And, and another thing too is while that's happening, which is a wonderful moment, like when you actually see that moment where he's he has the Fire Lord down on his knees and he's mm-hmm. just taking from it. And you could see like the Fire Lord's corrupting him just a little bit, then yeah. he fights back. It's like He almost no. takes him completely. He goes yeah. all the
1: way down to like, you know, his last
0: bit. Just a little bit and then you see boom, no. And so it's showing that goodwills prevail. You cannot win this. Yeah. But while that's all going down, you also see the Fire Lord's two heirs fighting it out. Yeah. And so uh we have uh, uh Azula, Azula, yeah. Prin- uh, Princess Azula who at this point has gone full on mad. Yeah. And and but she's she's spitting blue fire. I mean she <laughs> is she is as good as Prince Zuko is at fighting, yeah. she is at pure firebending.
1: Yeah, she's the epitome of like raw power in firebending. Yes.
0: Stronger than her father, I'd argue. Yeah. I, although her father was holding up to the Avatar quite well.
1: And I think she's less refined than than no. most firebenders, but yeah. she has so much raw power it makes
0: up for it. So Katara's helping this and stuff like that. Everybody's everybody's trying to help out, take out Azula. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, I mean, it's an image that's just ingrained in my head so much when they finally took her down. They chained her down to each side, and she's just sitting there like a dragon Breaking chain out. down. Yeah. She's swinging her head back and forth, just spitting blue fire everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, she's subdued. Yeah. And I, the, God, the fifth <laughs> season that they were actually beginning to work on mm-hmm. and they decided not to do was about redeeming Azula, which would yeah. be like, Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Because at that
1: point, her brother would have taken place as Fire Lord, and I'm sure he, he would have been involved in that, like giving yeah. her a chance to redeem herself. In she
0: would have been basically imprisoned, and, yeah. and then like, I don't want to see my sister die. Yeah. And then, so anyway, so um it was just imagery-wise, imagery, imagery wise, one of the most sustaining images I have of the series. Yeah. Of her sitting there, in, blowing, blowing, in chains, shooting,
1: kneeling on the ground, just, Yeah. yeah shooting fire everywhere every direction she can. Full
0: rage. Like, yeah. it's amazing how much those characters divided and went the opposite directions of the Fire Nation. Yeah. And she is the pinnacle of just full rage firebending. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, Any other things you want to mention in any other episodes? There's, uh, there's so many. I, the, the one I want to shout out is the one that everybody thinks is the absolute worst episode. It's got What's the that? worst ratings and anything like that and I actually really enjoy it. I think it's called The Great Divide where they go into that canyon and there's two different society is going in there with them and they yeah. each have a story of their origins and uh basically it boils down to like well your people your you're the leader your people screwed over my people and yeah. then the other people are like well no the the leader of your people screwed over my people yeah. and so there's they have these long story paths where they hate each other and ang is in there with them it's, it feels like a filler episode. I'm not going to lie to you. That's yeah. why everybody hates it. It's perfect, though. <laughs> it's really good. Because Aang has to learn how to be the avatar beyond just firebending and all yeah, that stuff like you that. You can't fight everything away. Sometimes no. you
1: have to make peace just sitting and talking about something. You
0: are the peacemaker of the entire world. Yeah. And so... What he ends up doing is he ends up lying to both sides Yeah. and telling them, like, oh, I knew. No, those were both yeah. little kids and they were fighting They're, over the ball. They
1: were my friends. I was, I was a little, I was, I'm 100 years old. Yeah. So I was a little kid with them. And yeah, it was just, they fought over this ball, but then they made up and everybody was happy. So it's yeah. okay.
0: <laughs> and then both societies were like, oh, okay, it's fine. Yeah. It's it's kind of dorky and yeah, it's, <laughs> but it was still a very good episode. Yeah. I actually think it's one, of, it's, it's, it's one of the better episodes, in my opinion, just because it, it was actually important to the story. Yeah. I liked it a lot.
1: And if this show is. Hopefully, mostly aiming for children as their audience. This these are the kind of lessons we want them to learn. That's this is true. what They need to know. That was probably yeah.
0: the most kid friendly episode as well. So yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that was a pretty. <laughs> I can't think of a bad episode really. They're that was
0: great. yeah. The, everybody thinks that's the bad episode, and I'm like, I I enjoyed it. <laughs> right. yeah. Any of them that you can think? Of? Any other ones that you uh, want? I love all the cabbage
1: dance scenes. Oh my I god! Like yeah. I like how they continue that in Legend of Korra. They too. do. Yeah. Um, yeah and he,
0: he has like a bigger company though. Yeah. Legend of is Cabbage Corp or something. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, there's so many good ones. the Great Library, and it's just yeah. I mean, it's just non-stop. In the final season, there's the the uh, players, I forget what it's called, but they recap the entire season. I was gonna put it in my top five, but I didn't. It's actually probably my number six. Oh, I remember
1: that when they watch a play and it kind of goes over, it's all exaggerated and stuff, but it yeah. goes over their their adventures until then.
0: Yeah, and then what rewatching that, uh, it's it's just it's leading up to the finale. Uh, Aang and uh, Katara. Katara. Why am I saying her name all the wrong? All wrong. Katara. Katara. Yeah, yeah it just sounds like Korra.
1: Yeah, that's it was
0: messing me up is that. And it was they finally uh, basically say I love you, yeah. and and you know, and so it was. Yeah, it's been kind of the side plot that's building up this whole time, mm. but it was very well done. It reminds me of like if you guys think of Thor Ragnarok when Loki's in charge and he has like a play always being done with Matt Damon as his brother. Yeah, is that kind of thing where you're seeing it all retold to you, but it's really a delightful episode. It's very well done. Or Game of Thrones there you go yeah or watching the play <laughs> yeah exactly actually Game of Thrones is a good example of it uh, Avatar can't suggest it enough
1: mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it stop what you're doing go watch it yeah watch it all
0: if you guys go watch Avatar hit us up that you're doing that maybe we'll watch along with you and yeah. tweet about every episode that we come yeah. across something like that
1: and let us know what's your favorite episode
0: that's a biggie let us know what your favorite episode don't just say all the two-parters yeah that's really <laughs> right. hard don't follow the ones we watched yeah <laughs> or, uh, or listed let us know when you're on the Bossing Say episode yes <laughs> try not to cry <laughs> yeah All right, guys, that's going to be it for this week. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, We will see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.